Well, Dylan and Blanchard seem to be leaving. Wow, who's still the champion? After being laid out by that power driver, referee Tommy Young reported to referee Randy Anderson about the power driver. They reversed the decision, and the belt does not change hands. Back to Chief Wahoo McDaniels, still the national champion, and what a finish, fans. And you saw Dusty Rhodes in to clean out the ring and to really protect Wahoo. Watch again this ending in slow motion, Johnny. Here's where Blanchard gave the advantage as Wahoo had his hands full with James J. Dillon. The referee over there with Dillon does not see this maneuver. The referee does not see this pile driver, which is illegal. And there is Blanchard giving the pile driver to Wahoo. He did get a three count, but the decision was reversed. There you're going to see the three count. The decision was reversed. Wahoo McDaniels remains the champion. Place to be Nation Wrestling. Welcome to episode number 58 of NWA Crack and Roll. Another short forum episode here, um, just like episode number 57. Um, I am broadcasting from the empty TBS studios of Saturday night, which is what it sounds like in my echo chamber a little bit. Um, so please forgive me for that. However, on our last episode, we talked about eight matches that um, we kind of missed in between on our journey from our relaunch episode to the Starcade 86 journey. So I'm going to talk about another eight matches tonight. Uh, again, going solo as well. And then when we come back for our next episode, we will hit up full, full on running with Starcade 86 with Logan Schiff and I. So we ended on, on the Sunday edition of TBS in our last episode from uh, September 7th, 1986. We are going to pick up, uh, and again, this is number 58. And again, we're calling these the matches we missed in the summer or fall of 86 part two, um, on the journey to star kid 86. So we're going to pick up, we are going to and by the way, all the matches that we talk about, uh, in the last episode and this episode, all hundred percent are on YouTube. So you can find them on YouTube very, very easily. That's why I'm giving you the dates. If you just want to run in the dates and look at them, I'm also talking about, here's what I'd probably check out. Also, here's probably what I would not check out. Um, as we talked about in our last episode as well. So our first match tonight, September 13th, 1986, all through the summer, the best of seven was a hot, hot commodity for uh, Crockett. Uh, very, very historic feud between Nikita and Magnum. And in the end, Nikita won the U.S. title by shenanigans. So we saw in our last episode where Magnum was moving on to Jimmy Garvin. But before he goes on to Jimmy Garvin, he actually has a rematch with Nikita. And again, on syndicated TV, this is huge. And it's two out of three falls for the United States title. Uh, so him getting a crack at Nikita right before moving on to Garvin feels like a good way to put this thing to bed, which is awesome. Uh, the crowd is lit from the start, even on the intros. There's multiple ties, tie-ups. T.A. spins Nikita around and punches him outside. Nikita comes back in with multiple knees and shoulder blocks to T.A.'s stomach. 
T.A. throws the key to the corner and hits a belly-to-belly -belly for three in about five minutes to win first fall. So really, really quick first fall win. Magnum gets some of that heat back from when he lost it in the best of seven. So really, really good there. Fall two, T.A. works Nikita's leg. Nikita kicks him outside. Nikita throws him into the rails and takes control back in the ring with a rear chin lock. And then T.A. fights back, but Nikita with a Russian hammer. He nails his sickle with ease out of that hammer for three and wins fall number two. So the uh, T.A. in fall number two really, really took a shit kicking there. Um, and Nikita really sickled him with ease to get that uh, pinfall in fall two. Fall number three, T.A. with a nice leap over on Nikita, going over for a backdrop and hits Nikita with a clothesline. Nikita fights back, and then we get another damn chin lock spot. That felt like an hour. Nikita, king of the chin locks. Um, if you ever listen to North-South Connection and our uh, Seven Months of Danger pod, which, by the way, plug, plug, uh, go listen to that, please, because uh, we just completed that run not long ago, 23 episodes uh, where we went back and we looked at the history of the Dangerous Alliance to cover from start to finish. So really, really, really fun pod there. So go listen to that. Uh, but Nikita on that one <clears throat> used to kill us on there with all his chin locks, and we're seeing a lot of that here. Uh, so anyway, we go, let's see where we stop that. So Nikita not doing blockbusters at this point, but Nikita does a blockbuster on TA that like literally looked on a backdrop and it looked like it was botched because Tina did, uh, Nikita did a blockbuster. And again, like I said, Nikita wasn't doing blockbusters in 1986. Uh, then we get another Nikita chin lock spot. I love TA getting out of it with like a savage arm drag. Like he literally takes Nikita's arm and savagely gets out of it. I thought that was a really good counter to escape. T.A. fires up on Nikita. There's a suplex for two. Uh, T.A. screaming along with the crowd. Like, T.A. is fired up and getting the crowd going. There's another botch that T.A. turns into a backslide for two. Uh, that young counts as three, but the foot is in the ropes. Uh, angry T.A. goes outside, and he grabs the belt. And like an idiot, goes in and smacks Ivan, and he hits Nikita with the belt and gets DQ'd. So Nikita wins. Two uh, pinfalls each, but however, he gets a DQ, so he loses. Nikita retains. Uh, so Nikita um, retains, but T.A. walks out with the title on his shoulder, but Nikita's the winner. So I was a bit, bit, was a bit disappointed um, at this. 50% of this literally felt like Nikita doing chin locks. Not as hot as the matches we covered on our relaunch for the bash, um, but really some great fire and fight from T.A. where you really see this guy is headed like he is the man, and it's really, really unfortunate what happens to him because this – T.A. was just on fire at this time, and he was just the guy to go to. Um, I hated it then as it didn't make T.A. look very smart, I thought, with him getting DQ'd. I went two and a half, and again, we weren't getting two, three falls, um, Savage Santana matches for IC title in September 86, uh, WWF. So who am I to complain about getting a two, three out of falls main event with two of your top stars on a syndicated program for a major title? So two and a half stars on this one. Uh, definitely kind of look at it from a time standpoint. Um, and kind of cements the end of the Nikita Magnum TA feud on television. They would have a few more on the house show circuit, but this kind of puts an end to the whole TA Magnum thing. Uh, I'm sorry, TA Nikita thing, which has really been going on since January. So eight, nine months, this feud has really been in fire and been building to a crescendo. And again, not something you see nowadays, but really, really good stuff. Uh, that whole entire feud. Our second match uh, piggybacks on our last match of our last episode where we saw Big Bubba Rogers do a top rope body splash on top of Dusty uh, Rhodes and Ricky Morton when Dusty was trying to protect Morton from uh, Bubba doing a splash and Bubba ended up splashing both of them. So we get a kind of a cool kind of symmetry here. So this is also on syndication from Worldwide. It's Midnight Express and Big Bubba Rogers versus the Rock and Roll Express and Dusty Rhodes. And again, 920-86. 
Another big time main event, and we just don't get these at WWF at the time. Like you would get kind of a smattering here, but like in, 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 you would get them on Saturday night's main event, but you just wouldn't get them on the weekly shows. So again, another big time match. So great six man on paper with all the history between these six. Bunkhouse rules. All six are in bunkhouse gear, and I love Bubba in his white T-shirt and suspenders. Um, I love eating bumping for the faces to open. There's a sick atomic drop to Dennis by Robert, which – uh, literally looked like Robert put his knee way up Dennis's ass. It looked really brutal. Crowd is nuclear for every move. Uh, Bobby does a bear hug to Dusty, and then uh, Bobby throws powder in Morton's eyes, and the fight is really on. Dusty and Bubba fight outside, and then I Express have a chain and a ring and hits both Rock and Roll Express members with it. Bobby shoves um, the object, shoves an object into Ricky's eye, and then Dusty is fighting all three heels solo outside the ring. Bobby does an Alabama jam to Morton. Morton does a hot tag to Robert. Each Rock and Roll Express do single drop kicks to Bubba, but he won't go down. Then they do a double drop kick that takes him down. Uh, but he bounces right up, right back up, and Dusty clotheslines him. All six are in the ring, and then Bubba goes up top, but Dusty throws him off. Picks Bubba up and does the coolest-looking walking pile driver. Like He kind of like bounces up and down on his knees, and he walks his also. But then he pile drivers Bubba for three, and it's rare to see Bubba take a pin, but... This was really 10 minutes of really, really good war um, and a really, really fantastic follow-up from the match we talked about on the last episode. I went three and a quarter on this. So out of the 10 that we have covered matches at this point that we have covered on our last two episodes, this would be my favorite so far at three and a quarter. All right. So we talked about on our last episode how Flair was kind of winding down his whole territory run and doing the territories. Uh, but we do still have some smatterings of that, and this would be an example. So Flair is on a circuit in Puerto Rico. So on 9-20-86, Flair is in Puerto Rico, and he's defending his world title against Mel Miguel Perez Jr. Now, Puerto Rico has not really been a good hotbed for us. We have not really seen any great matches. I think infamous, infamously we could talk about a Jimmy Valiant, I don't know the butcher match we covered in our early run of NWA Crock and Roll that Honestly, I don't know if Colin McDougal ever recovered. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so some of the matches haven't been great, but Flair has two world title matches here uh, during this week. So 920, it's versus Miguel Perez Jr. Uh, yes, it is future Los Bariqua, uh for the WWF, Miguel Perez Jr. Uh, real short here, mostly Matt worked with hammer and leg locks. There's a sleeper by Flair at the five-minute mark. Flair goes up top, plays the hits, gets thrown off. Then Flair is thrown upside down in the corner, again playing the hits. Uh, but Flair grabs legs, puts Miguel on his back, and the feet on the rope for a really weak three. Like, literally, Flair pulls the legs out, but it really looks like Miguel is just getting in position. It looks like a big lump of log there. doesn't look like there's an intensity or anything in him trying to kick out. Really weak three. This was seven minutes. Really, really not good at all. And he really did nothing. And basically, Flair playing the hits against an opponent that... Clearly looked like he couldn't go toe-to-toe with him. I went half a star on this. Uh, ignore, totally ignore, because you're not missing a damn thing in this one. So the next night on 921-86, it is Flair versus Invader 1. This is for the world title. Uh, and yes, it's that Invader 1. Um, I won't get into detail, but the whole Invader 1, Bruiser Brody thing, we all know what that's about. Yes, it's that Invader 1. They shake hands to start. Again, trading mat work and hammer locks. Invader does a shoulder block, hit toss, and body slam. There's dueling shots and punches. Flair punched over the top rope. There's a figure four to Flair back on the inside, then a suplex. Invader is just nailing some really good stiff forearms and punches, uh, mounting rope punches as well. 
So Vader dominates pretty much the whole match. Uh, Flair does again play the hits upside down over the apron, and then he's tossed off the top rope. There's a ref bump, and then Vader with a sleeper. Vader is attacked by another wrestler running into the ring. I couldn't make out who it was, uh, but I'm sure it's someone who Vader was feuding with in Puerto Rico. Flair grabs a foreign object, clocks Invader, the rest back up for the three. You know, this one, um, unlike the last one, this one was surprisingly really good. Um, Invader dominated, but very little slow pacing, and he worked a quick 11-minute pace. Uh, I actually like this, and I was shocked. Um, it's 2.5 stars. A little bit of uh, Benoit syndrome here where, you know, Invader 2 did not do good things. Or, I'm sorry, Invader 1 did not do good things, so... If, you're, if that's a problem, don't go back and watch it. But, again, a really, really solid match, solid world title defense. Running 11 minute, and Flair really didn't have to work the long game for this week in Puerto Rico and probably took it to the bank. So good for Ric Flair. But surprisingly good one here. All right. Our fifth match of the night, also from 92086, all four of the last matches. 92086. This is also on syndicated television. Like, they are just cranking this shit out, man. And this is for the national heavyweight title. And Wahoo McDaniel – who on our relaunch we discussed had won a national title from Tully in Los Angeles. Uh, he is defending it's a rematch for Tully here. So kind of like we talked about with Magnum PA and Nikita kind of writing off. Tully is clearly on this path to Dusty to Starcade. So kind of the write-off match here. So again, rematch and uh Nikita and by the way, Wahoo also getting a title defense in before losing the unification match that we covered. Um, also on our relaunch where Nikita you know, basically they fused together the national heavyweight title and the um, and the uh, U.S. title. So T uh, Wahoo at least getting a uh, getting a um, little bit of a kiss here on a title defense. So first four minutes opens up. Best of Wahoo just chopping totally like left and right. And literally like when I talk about chopping, we're talking about mincemeat and just freaking turning, <laughs> turning them into mincemeat, man. And Tully was just selling them like death and the chops just looked savage. Uh, totally finally gets Wahoo outside and throws Wahoo into the ring post. Totally gets multiple uh, elbows, gets an impressive body slam. Wahoo fires up. Uh, rubs around, uh, runs around ring holding Tully's head and just lays it on him. Wahoo goes to JJ on the apron and Tully gets a knee from behind, hits a really nice pile driver. And Wahoo is pinned and the ref counts three, but another ref comes out. Apparently, the pile driver is illegal at this point in Crockett. It didn't make a lot of sense. I've seen 100 pile drivers. We just talked about one in our last match uh, a couple of matches ago with Dusty and Bubba. So the match was reversed. JJ and Tully beat up Wahoo. Dusty comes in and cleans house. The ending was really confusing, but they kept Wahoo to his strengths and chopping bitches and very, very slow spots. Tully is an awesome seller and the heel work and took a beating to hell, man. So I'm going to probably take a heat on this. I went three stars. I thought it was one of the better Wahoo matches uh, that we've watched for this pod. Wahoo has not been popular on this show. We shit on him a lot, but... Man, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was really, really good. Um, take the Schmaz ending out. It probably would have been higher. But I think the thing with Wahoo that we discovered is if you keep Wahoo to his hits, just have him chop the shit out of bitches, do a few moves here and there, keep him out of the rest holds, and you give him a really good heel to work with, like a Tolly, it's going to be decent. He's clearly past his expiration time. But, yeah, really, really good solid match. I would recommend going watching this from, a, like I said, national title defense on free TV, Wahoo chopping bitch, chopping bitches. I'm all in for that every day of the week, and Tully is a fantastic heel. So good match here. All right. So we are going to October 11th, 1986. So when we did our – when Logan and I did our episode two episodes ago on the road to Star Kid 86, if you remember when Nikita did his heel turn, um, one of the things he had said is, well, the accident with the uh, TA happened in Japan, 
and I got a call while I was in Japan touring. Uh, well, basically, the accident happened when Nikita was touring in Japan. And he said, when I came back, he became friends with oh, Dusty and I talk. And now here I am. And that's my really bad Nikita. So anyway, we're going to talk about those matches from Japan are actually on YouTube. Um, and I don't have a lot of hope going into them. And uh, I think after I talk to him, you'll see why. But yeah, so basically, Nikita was on a tour of Japan with Krusher Khrushchev, Khrushchev, and they were doing tag matches. Uh, both these matches I would talk about ended up, uh, aired on October 11th, 1986, Japan TV. Um, so Nikita and uh, Khrushchev both come out with their U.S. belt and the U.S. tag belt. Um, don't know where Ivan was, but here's the cool thing. I love the U.S. representation of Russians in uh, Japan. So they're taking on Hamaguchi and Choshu. And I know Choshu we have talked about before. I believe we've had a couple of matches with him on Flair. Um, I, I, th I probably thought they were good. I can't remember. But Logan Crossland, probably good. He's not on this episode. No to Japan hater. Uh, is not going to like these matches. So there's an arm lock, lockups and slams between the two teams. Hamaguchi looks like the peg in a square hole almost against the other three. Uh, there's a lot of kicking and punches by the Russians. Nikita throws Hamaguchi outside, stands there and watches him get back in. Choshu and Nikita do a test of strength. Choshu actually wins and flips Nikita over. Uh, Hamaguchi tags in, has a quick flurry on Crusher Khrushchev. However, Crusher Khrushchev press slams him. The Japanese team has a brief offense run, but Crusher Khrushchev gets a power slam on Hamaguchi for three. Uh, there wasn't meant much to this. The power slam ending was kind of weak. Um, and the bland ending, I went one and a quarter star on this. So not mixing anything major in here in this match. The next match uh, was also the Russians versus Tenru and Fuyaki. And again, we have talked about uh, Tenru on this pod 100 times. Fuyaki uh, playing the Hamaguchi role in this match. So the heels beat up Tenru for a few minutes, but he comes back uh, with some stiff forearms to Crusher Khrushchev's chest. Fuyaki teams in and gets his ass handed to him. He does manage to get a spin kick and leg drop to Crusher Khrushchev. He, he however, has his run cut off by Nikita, allowing Crusher Khrushchev to sickle Fuyaki for the win. This was also nothing to write home uh about a lot of money to bring the Russians in for the last two matches. They, they These were not good, guys. Um, you do not need to go watch these, but I thought it would be kind of cool to see what Nikita was doing uh, when he had the accident, when Magnum had his accident, and where he was at at the time. So, he, yeah, he was really in Japan, and <clears throat> not good. Not good at all. Not like some of the Road Warriors matches we've talked about or some of the Flair matches we've talked about when they're, um, when they're touring Japan. So this is not good. All right, so our final match of the night um, and this will take us home to our next episode, which will be Starcade 86. But this one took me by surprise because um, I had just recently discovered the w the NWA Sunday edition. Um, and I talked about it on our last episode. Again, I know I'm doing a lot of references, but just to let you know if you didn't hear it, doing some references there. Um, we had talked about the Sunday edition uh, debut and their debut uh, second episode had Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express. Well, this one tonight, uh, it is a U.S. tag team title defense, and it is Ivan Koloff for Chris Khrushchev against a team that I knew in Team the Continental. Uh, they will team in the UWF in the future um, as well because uh, they will be the UWF tag team champions in 1987. And it is the Lightning Express of Tim Horner and Brad Armstrong teaming up to go after the U.S. tag team titles. So again, the Sunday edition bringing us the goods here, because uh, the last, like I said, our last episode we had the Rock and Rolls versus the Midnight Express for the World Tag, and now we have this one for the U.S. Tag. Um, and as I said, Armstrong and Horner we'll talk more about in the future, um, as they would go on to be the Lightning Express again. They wrestled on Continental and would be the second to last UWF Tag Team Champions before UWF goes out of business, which I'm sure we will talk about 
um, as we get to that um, in 87 as it occurs because it happens um, after Crockett buys Watts out, obviously. So the Russians are wearing their U.S. tag team belts, and this is easily um, – the, the U.S. tag team titles are a favorite of mine. They're a top five belts ever to me um, because I just think it's different and unique. And I think Crockett always brings the good to his belts. Um, I actually have a U.S. tag team title belt here in my office that I'm staring at as I record this. But he makes today's belts look like a joke for me, just different. And, you know, WWF, especially today, where all they have is just their logo on the front of all their belts. I think the uh, new Seth Rollins belt's pretty cool. Um, but it's all about the logo on the front and the other belts I just think suck. Um, so anyway, this is also right after Nikita Kolas turned. So it's mentioned on commentary how upset the Russians are <clears throat> with Nikita and what's happened. So Kresser Khrushchev. Uh, throat throws Brad across the ring, but Brad dodges a bunch of punches and all four and in and the heels get multiple drop kicks from both faces. to The crowd's delight <clears throat> all four in a ring again. And the Russians again, eat shit on drop kicks. Horner hits a top throw. Franken hits a top. It's uh, a Frankenstein on Crusher Khrushchev um, as he's lifting. Uh, Ivan is lifting him in the air, which was really, really good. Um, again, later on, all four in the ring with faces kicking the Russians ass again. We get back from commercial. The Russians have control and working over Brad. Brad hits a nice clothesline to Ivan off the ropes. Uh, Horner tag um, and works both heels over. All four go at it again. Crusher Khrushchev hits a sick-looking backdrop to Horner, like throws him way, way up in the air. It's really visually good. Uh, there's a long, weird chin on Horner. Ivan is in and goes up top. Horner punches him, and Ivan crotches himself. Crusher Khrushchev for the apron does a really cool spot where he walks clear along the apron to grab Horner and pulls him back to the corner uh, to keep him from tagging Brad Armstrong while Ivan recovers from the crotch, which is really good, really good uh, psychology there. Uh, Horner keeps trying to tag but cut off at every turn. Uh, until Horner and Ivan collide mid-ring. Horner gets the tag. Armstrong takes on both heels. There's drop kicks to Ivan, and there's a two count, but the foot's on the ropes, and the bell rings. And we get a time limit draw, guys. This went a full 20-minute time limit draw again on syndicated TV. Uh, this was great. Um, I really wish uh, we saw more at the time. Um, and I also wonder if TA's accident kind of caused some issues with this because I wonder if maybe TA's accident caused it not to happen again. Is Armstrong... Goes on to feud with Jimmy Garvin because of what happens. Like Jimmy Hill faced Garvin at Starcade, and then Horner goes on to team with Nelson Royal at Starcade, and then the Jayhawks end up getting the title shot at the Russians. I wonder if there was anything written in stone or anything where they would have had this match at Starcade um, if the Magnum TA accident hadn't happened. Um, I'm not sure because I think TA still would have gone to face the world title and Armstrong. They still needed somebody for Garvin. But, yeah, really, really good match here. This is three and a quarter easily. Really, really nice hidden gem. Um, if you go out of your way to watch this one, Lightning Express versus Russians for the U.S. Tag Team titles uh, from the uh, – what's the date again? October uh, 26, 1986, WCW Sunday edition. You can find this on YouTube just like every other match we talked about. So uh, two, three and a quarter star matches here tonight uh, that I discussed. So really go out of your way. So let's review real quick. Um uh, if I go into the beginning tonight, so we talked about the two out of three falls U.S. title match, Nikita versus uh, Magnum TA, kind of the kiss off to their feud. Two out of three, two and a half stars, not their best, not their worst, uh, but a cool moment in time type of deal. The uh, Bunkhouse Stampede match between the Midnight Express and Bubba versus Rock and Roll Express and Dusty, three and a quarter, absolutely go out of your way. Uh, you can skip the Miguel Perez versus Ric Flair uh, world title match from Puerto Rico. But I kind of like the Flair versus Invader 1-1. One, one, but um, if you miss it, totally understandable. But I also thought that was pretty good. Wahoo versus Tully for the national title on 9 three stars. Really, really liked it. 
You can skip the entire Russian run of Japan on 10-11-86. And then go out of your way to watch this one right here uh, for 10-86-86. The Lightning Express versus the Russians for the U.S. tag title. I would 100% go out of my way to watch this one. It was a really, really fun find that I found last minute and added it to the back end. So that's it. The last two episodes, I have taken you through 16 matches that we have not discussed on our build to Starcade 86. That literally happened right after the Great American Bash. So a lot of stuff happened um, after the Bash. Crockett, again, so many matches, putting out so much product. The champions are touring. Flair's all over the place. They got their talent going to Japan, talent going to Puerto Rico. Uh, TA got in his accident. They did quick on the fly booking to get Nikita going. Just it's amazing to me how they kept up. It's just unbelievable stuff, putting out unbelievable product. Um, it's given us some really, really great stuff. So I'm really excited to talk about Starcade 86 next episode with Logan and um, and Chef. Uh, uh, and again, Starcade 86, I've watched one time. And I remember growing up when it was happening, the commercials for it, the build for it, which we talked about uh, two episodes ago, were just off the chain great. And I was so excited to watch it. And I've watched it one time since. So I'd like to go back. I have certain feels on it. I would be curious to go back and watch it to see if some of my thoughts have changed, my opinions have changed. Um, 12 match cards. So there is a lot to watch. So I'm sure we'll go a little in depth on that on our next episode. Um, so we'll definitely run longer than the last uh, two pod blasts, 30 minutes or under ones that I've done in the last two episodes. So before we go, a couple things to plug. Um, I'm going to plug the one main thing. Well, I'll plug Logan and Shifts, uh, Logan, our stuff here on PTBN. Uh, Highway to the Impact Zone, where Logan leads a group of us. When I'm on, I can be on uh, through the Impact uh, high impact uh, journey. Uh, we are in 2006 right now, so please give that a listen. Highway to the Impact Zone, always a fun off-the-rails show. YouTube Roulette. I also get on when I can as well, uh, where we pick random matches from YouTube, where we just we watch four matches from YouTube, comment on them. It's kind of like a friends at the bar sitting around watching wrestling kind of deal. That's really, really, really fun show. Um, I really enjoy listening to that one and doing that one when I can. Um, the other one, uh, the the other one we'll talk about that just ended not long ago was the Seven Months of Danger podcast. Um, really, for me, probably one of my one of the funnest ones I've ever done, and we actually get to complete it. Um, I enjoy doing it with Jake, Logan, uh, Matt, and uh, and Schiff. And we went through the entire history of the Dangerous Alliance, starting with Halloween Havoc 1991 and took it through July, um, where the official July of 92, where it really, really ended. But not as great as we thought it was going to be, but the journey was fun. We had a lot of fun, a lot of bullshit. Um, I think we went into it thinking it was going to be kind of a serious kind of thing for us, kind of like we do on NWA Crack and Roll, where we kind of take it very seriously and really analyze it. Now, we did analyze it. It was really hard to take some of it seriously. There was some good stuff. I think in the end, we watched 120 matches and only 17 really met that three-star ratio. But the stuff that happened, uh, our bullshit and what we talk about, it is one of the funnest things you'll ever listen to. 23 episodes, most episodes uh, 90 minutes or less, but some are even a little over an hour. That is over on the North-South Connection feed. Please, please go listen to that. Um, the entire run is in the archives over there, and it's really fun to complete a pod journey, and I look forward to completing this pod journey here. Um, we're on episode number 58, and um, after we get through Starcade, um, we'll be getting into the end of 96 um, as we get into the winter. So 1987 is around the corner, and this pod journey is going to take us through December of 88. So Really, really looking forward to getting this one completed because, if anything, the seven months of danger really, really 
it got me into those time frame things. And honestly, doing that pod got me back into getting the Crockett and figuring out a way to do it. Um, even if we can't be on a set pod schedule, but figuring out how we do it and we complete it because seven months of danger really reinvigorated me to get back into this. Um, and last thing I'll plug, and it hasn't been recorded as of this episode yet. One more pod that again, um, will not necessarily be on a time frame. It's more of when I can record it with who I'm going to record it with. <clears throat> Kind of a spinoff of um, Danger Pod, and I'm not going to go too much into it right now. It will be on the North-South Connection uh, feed, hopefully debuting sometime at the end of August or mid-August. Coming out of the Danger Pod, one thing I really liked and I just talked about it was where we do timeframes and feuds and timeframes. Like the Dangerous Alliance was, it was a seven-month journey. It'll take a year. But there are so many other feuds and so many other things out there that are shorter timeframes that have never been covered on any of the feeds place to be or North South. And I'm a big territory guy and I'm really into those short feuds. And I came up with a pro- premise um, that I ran by the powers that be at North. No. So, and I'm really, really happy to say they, they, they are embracing it, um, but it's coming soon. And when it's hundred percent cemented and it's hundred percent recorded, um, I'm still mapping it out, but it really will be built around territory feuds and those timeframes and an episode could cover one feud. You might have one episode, one feud that covers over two to four episodes, but really allows us to peel back the onion and go back in time and look at feud timeframes and individual feuds versus covering a year or like Crockett Roll, where we're going to probably be three or four years to cover the whole Crockett run. Just individual matches from individual territories. Um, and that could take you to AWA. That could take you to world class. That could take you to USWA. That could take you to global. Um, the sky's the limit, Mid-South. The sky's the limit in what we can do. So I'm looking really, really forward to getting my uh, hands wrapped around that. Scott Shiflett has already agreed to be my partner, my partner in crime here on NWA Crock and Roll. But more to come on the title, more to come on the premise, more to come how that will be covered. Uh, we hope I will probably record a few solo ones in that as well uh, to get product out because, honestly, with my job and what I do for a living, some of the solo work will be easier to do, and then you don't have to bring anyone to it, and you can cover one pod. Um, and cover one feud, and then I could bring in my uh, co-hosts in to cover the bigger pods uh, and the bigger feuds of that nature. So um, we hopefully have, hopefully Schiff and I will have some guests on there, but I do appreciate uh, Schiff joining me for that journey. Um, so guys, that's it as far as the wrestling stuff tonight. Thank you for listening. Um, I know the end game of talking about what's coming up and what we're doing was a little um, long, but I definitely wanted to give a plug out to the things that are out there and the things that are um, on both pod feeds. Uh, that are that are there and coming up as well so with that i am sean kidd i will see you guys when we get to starcade 86 don't have the time for one i'll drop but i'll be back with logan and shift and we will talk all things starcade 86 on episode number uh, 59 of the thanks everybody hold on i'll be back for you it won't be long but for now there's something that's calling me Take me down a lonesome road Want me east and let me go That suitcase weighs me down The memories I just wanna be the one you run to I just wanna be the one you come to I just wanna be there with someone When the night comes Let's put all the cares behind us And the will will never find us I just wanna be there
I'll never find us I just wanna be 